Hey everybody, welcome to the fifth episode of season two, Cryptids Decrypted. Uh, we're doing something a little weird today, we're trying a new format. We're going to be breaking down Harry and the Hendersons, probably one of the most famous cryptid movies ever made. We've brought it up every episode on this podcast, and so it just seemed appropriate that we go in and take a look at, you know, if it does justice to the myth and whether or not it's worth watching. If you enjoy this new format, go ahead and let us know, and we'll do some more movies. We've definitely got some lined up that we want to watch, but, you know, if you don't enjoy it, let us know too, and we'll get back to doing what we do best, which is reading Wikipedia, breaking down the bullshit, and telling you about some cool-ass myths. If you do like the show, I'd ask you to rate us, but it looks like ratings aren't really a thing on a lot of podcasting platforms anymore, so just go ahead, share us with your friends, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Reddit, just, you know, tell us, because we love the approval, and... We're all socially distanced right now, so just reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the episode. First, I wanted to do a quick check-in. You know, things are things are pretty weird. John, how are you handling the stress of shelter-in-place and what that entails for you? Dude, I've handled the last three months phenomenally, I th- Sorry. Nope, my wife is telling me it's been four days. Uh, apparently not as good as I thought. Um, now, nah, all jokes aside, uh, I've been doing fine. I'm working. I work in the tech industry. So um, it, it's been relatively normal for me. What's tough is just dealing with my one-year-old, all that kind of stuff. I mean, my wife's a nurse at a hospital, so she has it way worse than I do. Uh, her job is much more difficult. So um, yeah, I, I can't complain. How about you, Ashton? You've been in stay at shelter or shelter at home for a lot longer than we have down in Oregon. Yeah. So I've been, I've been working remote. I think this is week four. And then I've, we've only been shelter in place since Sunday. Uh, and this is, we're recording this on a Thursday. So it's a little crazy making. I think the days are really starting to blend together. Cause like I'm recording this podcast at the desk, uh, that I work at every day. And this is also where I do my writing and, uh, like it's, it's all just starting to mesh together into one giant thing, but I've been playing a shit ton of Animal Crossing, and uh, that helps a lot. How, do you, how are you liking that? I, I hear people tend to love it. I hear there's something called a rock glitch that people like, but Animal Crossing's never really been my thing. I haven't gotten into any glitches or anything like that yet, but I, I love it because it's just an amazing distraction. You're just sitting on this, like deserted island full of cute animals building a little society so it's it's like the exact opposite of everything else that's happening in the world right now and that's uh pretty great yeah and like you said it's crazy making for a lot of people it's baby making <laughs> i do i was just thinking that like we're gonna have another uh baby boom but it's gonna be from everybody being in quarantine and not being able to get contraceptives yeah they're, they're calling them at least i've seen this pass around on facebook and other social media like reddit uh coronials will be this next boom oh my god that's an amazing name coronials i, love I wish i came up with it but it's yeah it's something that a lot of other people came up with first <laughs> that's that's pretty good another thing before we get started i wanted to give a shout out to so you know we we got some feedback from a few fans this week and it always feels good to hear from people so i just wanted to say thank you to eric who sent me an email from the website and actually gave us some fun suggestions like specifically the minnesota Iceman, uh which is you know it's it's like halfway between a cryptid and just like a, an oddity but i think it'd be fun to do an episode on it uh, either way because it's just it's, you know it's strange and it might actually be real Look, after the chupacabra, I mean, yeah, 
I'm down to do pretty much anything that has some kind of bearing in reality and isn't, oh, something weird happened and I just watched Species, so I think that's what happened. Right, well, it's interesting. So speaking of Chupacabra, uh, the other person I wanted to call it was somebody on Reddit actually replied to our uh, post about the Chupacabra with a real story. Uh, now, this is a verified police officer from the American Southeast, and he here's what he said. He said, uh, I was in the passenger seat. We were driving on a street uh, near a river. Both my partner and I yelled, holy shit, at the same time because the rookie almost ran it over. I ran out. It ran out in front of our car, stood on two legs, and I saw it moving. It was hairless, pointy ears, had a snout, had no lips, just exposed fangs, and stood about three feet higher, so with bright red eyes. Um, Although that might have been, he said that might have been the headlights. And he said, now it could have been a fox or something with mange, but I've never seen a fox walking on two legs. And whatever it was fit the description of what I heard it was. And it was it was freaky. Uh, so I, I thought that that was interesting and he posted his verification that he's actually a police officer and all that kind of stuff. So it, it does sound like, you know, he, he leaves a little bit of room for what it could be in his story. But, uh, I actually, I asked him to come on to do like a quick 15 minute segment at some point. So we'll see if we can uh, get him on here, but yeah, that'd be great. I I love people sharing their stories like that, uh, on Reddit. That's amazing. And then, uh, yeah. So with that out of the way, let's talk about Harry and the Hendersons. John, how do, you, how do you feel about it? I think we both watched it in the last day or so. Yeah, so my wife and I watched it last night, and the man, the first 10 to 15 minutes are, are pretty rough. The so characters rough. are really shitty. And and it's it's that way by design. Like, the more I've sat and thought about it, like, you're meant to hate the little kid. You're meant to not really like John Lithgow's character. He His dad owns a gun store. He's all about hunting, about killing, and not even killing for, for food, but just for sport, all this kind of stuff. So, um, anyway, going back to what I was saying, my wife and I watched it, and typically I can tell... If a movie's pretty good or if it's pretty bad based on how into her phone my wife is. <laughs> and about 30 minutes in, she her phone was completely down and she was really into the movie. I thought it was very quintessential 80s. Uh, it, it coined quite a few things. Like um, at, at the end when, when George is trying to get Harry to run away from him, he punches Harry in the face. He tells him, we don't want you. We don't want you here. That's a trope that's been used time and time again. So it's really interesting to see those types of things have popped up. And that's like a meme that has just never, I mean, like, you know, it was a meme before there were memes. Uh, oh, absolutely. But, but it's, it's been meme to hell now. And, you know, it's funny because I think that, that that scene was really all I knew about Harry and the Hendersons going into it. I don't think I've ever watched it. I thought I had, but that is the only scene I know from this movie. Yeah, and I hadn't ever watched it in its entirety, so the intro was really neat. What I thought was fascinating, though, they show a couple times a a picture of the Seattle skyline, and Harry and the Hendersons came out in 1987, back when the kingdom was still there, back when, like, the skyline was a third of what it is now. There have been so many apartment buildings built and so much development done there that it's just, it's wild. It, it reminds me of what I imagine like Pittsburgh is now where Seattle for a really long time was considered a very small market, very small population. It was, it was a smaller city south of Alaska. And obviously it's not that way anymore. Thanks to Microsoft, Boeing and Amazon, not to mention other companies like Zillow and those types of things and the major tech boom. But it's just wild to see what it was versus what it is now. I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, which is just like an hour south of Seattle. So I thought that was really neat. And um, the last kind of note that I'll throw out is, God 
damn, John Lithgow was young when he made this movie. It is weird to see him in Pet Cemetery playing a 70-year-old, and then this movie playing, I don't know, the 80s, daughter probably about 15, so I would estimate he's 40. It's just nuts. I don't know. To me, it feels almost a little bit like John Lithgow doesn't age because he still looks pretty like I know he looks young in this movie, but he he does like he's still got his receding hairline and everything. So it's just he's been around for a long time. And one thing of note, so you're talking about the Seattle skyline. One of the only things, you know, well, not the only thing, one of the big unrealistic things in this movie where I was like, well, I really got to suspend my disbelief here is that a, uh, a low level gun salesman owns a two story house in Wallingford. Oh my God. I thought the exact same thing where I, I commented like, to my hell? wife because we had looked at moving to Seattle probably uh, two, three years ago and looked at real estate up there. And we, I, I commented to her, I'm like, that's like a, a two, two and a half million dollar house right there. Like what? Yeah. And his wife doesn't work in the film and he's got two kids. And I'm just like, as a low level gun salesman at a family gun store, I, I, I fucking doubt it. No, but, but that's the thing, Ashton back in the eighties. That Maybe. was like, that was legitimate. That was legitimate. Like houses in Green Lake were like $40,000 back in the eighties. God damn. It, it's just, that's what Seattle was. Seattle wasn't a big city. It didn't have a ton of uh, industry. It was a, a port and a lumber city. They made bootstraps a lot stronger back then, you know, because people were really able to pull themselves up by them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so going into like, I know we talked about the first 15, you know, I would honestly say the first 30 minutes, I, I thought this was going to be a trash movie because that, that little kid is, is psychotic. Ernest was the worst. I have a note here where I said, and this, this was made very early on. He, he gets better throughout the movie, but Ernest definitely got smacked around in high school was a note that I said that I had. He also, in regards to killing a adorable little bunny said it was him or me. Like, yeah. <laughs> which I mean, I mean, it made me laugh. <laughs> like, that was a good one. Uh, or, or like when they hit the Bigfoot, I think he says, shoot it again. Yeah, he, he demands his dad shoots it again and is so excited that his dad brought his gun. Also, they called it, and I quote, a Bigfoot. Now, here's a question for you, Ashton, and maybe maybe you can help set me right, but Bigfoot is a nickname. It is not the species. Sasquatch is more the species where it's like, you wouldn't call somebody a dude. You would call them like dude as a nickname. You would call them a person as like a species. And that's kind of where I, it's one of those weird things that my mind kind of got stuck on that for a little bit. You know, so it's interesting. I've talked to a few experts now, right? And I, I actually think I have heard both of them refer to it as a Bigfoot. And I think it is, it's a colloquialism, right? Like it's not necessarily the proper way to say it, but I think it's just, it's ingrained in the culture. Like I think Bigfoot is just as common as uh, Sasquatch. For the name. Okay. Uh, but I like, you know, and I can't say for sure because I haven't listened to the Peter Byrne interview or my first David George Gordon in a while. But I I, I think they they both uh, refer to it as a Bigfoot. I'd say Peter probably used Sasquatch a bit more, though. Gotcha. Hey, hey, one other thing I got to call out. Um, So this thing is like 300 pounds. It's bigger than a deer. It's like seven or eight feet tall. Yep. And he hits it with the front of his car. And all it does was rough up the bumper a little bit. They made cars stronger back then. It was the 80s, man. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that was it, was it was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, God, I mean, like so much about that, that that opening scene. I mean, the the gun safety he displays is fucking cataclysmically bad. He like points the gun at his family as he's getting out of the car. Like just gun safety for people who own a gun shop is hilariously bad. 
in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. The, the whole, his trigger discipline was bad. He's sweeping his entire family with the muzzle and the barrel. Like, he, just, oh, that was that was brutal to watch. And he was, like, holding it as his waist. When he's approaching the, uh, when he's approaching the Bigfoot, he's, like, holding it at his hip. Like, he's a, he's a cowboy. Very interesting. One thing I noted to, like, going through and watching this movie is it makes uh, the cryptozoology community look pretty bad like i know that you know towards the end the guy who runs the museum is supposed to be seen as like a little bit better but it it really does make them seem like kooks for the first half and like i know that there are there are a lot of kooks out there but you know the people that i've interviewed especially like i I keep referring to peter byrne because he just he's a very level-headed guy super mellow very well spoken like he's not i don't know he's he's not a kook I think you're you're dealing with eighty sensationalism first off. So they they know yeah, that the the they know that the everyday layman on the street, if you asked them, you know, what do people who believe in Bigfoot look like? They would describe somebody like that. So they know what they're appealing to because this was a movie made for the populace, made for the the majority out there. And then on top of that, I think you you do have kind of two contradictions where you have some you have a hunter. You know, and a hunter is, that's, that's a tried and true trope where he's been chasing this game forever and people don't believe him that it exists. I mean, think about Ishmael and Moby Dick. Like that's, that's a tried and true story and everything on those lines. So there's that. And then you've got the guy who kind of gave up and he, he comments at one point that he lost everything. He uh, was successful and it was one hunting trip that, or camping trip that, that took him down this path. And next yep. thing he knew, he, you know, the only thing he could do to make a living was to keep the Sasquatch museum running. Yeah. I think that that's also true. You know, where this happens to, I, we, I've said before that uh, being a cryptozoologist or interested in, in cryptozoology in any real fashion is bad for your health. And most of the people I've talked to have agreed. A lot of the people who do this full time are retired or, if you were lucky enough, like Peter Byrne, he was financed by somebody who was rich and believed in cryptozoology. So he was getting paid. But even David George Gordon, I mean, he has other things he does. Like, you know, he has his cookbooks that, that you know, bring in money and things like that. that the, the Bigfoot field guides are still really not probably his biggest thing that he does. Like, that's not what's getting him on late night television. So that mm-hmm. I think that part's real. And and. Yeah, and I wanted to say also that the Bigfoot Museum, so I've been there, there's a coffee shop right next to it, and it is actually, in in the film, it, it's portrayed as, like, very gorgeous with this scenic vista, and that's that's all real. It is a, like, it is a beautiful place. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that, like, right outside of Leavenworth? Uh, not right outside, it's on the other side of the pass. Yeah, because I've driven by that multiple times, and I thought, that seems really quick to get to Seattle from. Yeah, it, it like it's that's a kind of an amazing thing about Seattle is that it's so quick to get to that level of wilderness. Oh, okay, so that that was like legitimate. That yeah. was one of the things I struggled with because I I was coming from Portland, which it's probably a five hour drive to Leavenworth versus an hour and a half from Seattle. I think from my location, it is one hour and seven minutes. It's forty four miles from downtown. Oh, that's Redmond. not bad at all. No, so it's like. It's 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 before you get to the top of the pass, but it is on the way to like Wenatchee and Leavenworth. Gotcha. Now, one thing I'm curious about, um, and this is a weird question, but was that around before the movie or did they make that for the movie? And then 
it just kind of stayed and somebody bought it or something along those lines. So the Bigfoot Museum is entirely a prop that they made for the movie. And then somebody put a coffee shop right next to it and kind of capitalized on it because they left the set there. Gotcha. Uh, and, Interesting. And it's like the Bigfoot Museum is, is empty. It's There's nothing in there. It's just re- really the only thing left of the set is kind of like that uh, that half like a like half two building that says Bigfoot mm-hmm. Museum. Uh, if we ever get an Instagram uh, from you, John, I'll, I'll post a I'll post a picture of it there because I have quite a few because I stop there every time I go to Leavenworth. Yeah, it's a it's a cool place. Other thing I so kind of looking a little bit about what they they got right and wrong because we've talked about it a little bit. One of the things that they I'm, I'm actually not sure. So they they bill Bigfoot as a pescatarian. Yeah, I noticed that. So that was one of the major things where, and I have a note on that too, where they comment on him being a vegetarian. Maybe they just, this is a stupid question because I'm not totally up to snuff on all this kind of stuff, but was pescatarianism not really a thing back in the eighties? Like all that kind of stuff. But yeah, he, he eats goldfish and he only eats vegetables. Yeah. And he eats fish burgers too, which is something I wondered is whether or not this movie was ever used to promote fish burgers. Oh, those look totally like those look like Burgerville spot. fish burgers. And I was like, hmm, that would have been a very smart promotion back in the 80s because he, yeah, no he eats like a bunch of those. And I, after he did that, I was like, God damn, I wish I could get some fish burgers. <laughs> Ooh, maybe I'll Grubhub some of those from McDonald's tonight. Get some. Uh, I might go with Burgerville. Some I, do. I wish we had Burgerville up here. If we did, I would. I would destroy. You got Dick's Burgers though. Dick's, you got Dick's, and I'm jealous. Well, I mean, we don't right now. Uh, and also, yeah. I'm a I'm a pescatarian, so I can't eat Dick's. Uh, oh, they only have meat, don't they? That's they, too bad. They do, yeah. I mean, should I say I'm a pescatarian. It's a recent thing. It's a three month thing. I feel like you've been off red meat for like a year, though. Yeah, I've I, I've been avoiding red meat for a long time, but this year I'm like, all right, let's go pescatarian. Let's be more like Bigfoot. Gotcha. So Bigfoot inspired you, is what you're saying? <laughs> you know, he didn't originally, but now that we've seen this movie, I'm gonna. That's that's the reason I'm gonna provide to everybody. It's a lot easier than explaining sustainability, I think. So yeah, I, I don't know. This would have been a great fish burger promotion. I'm actually not sure about Bigfoot being a pescatarian or not. I definitely know that he's not a predator i don't think that it's ever been billed as a predator with the way it's sighted just because that's not the way its teeth would work like it doesn't have doesn't have fangs right no none of none of the stuff that we look at says it has fangs and i mean granted nobody's found a corpse or anything like that so they can't look at the the tooth thing and the you know the accounts of its aggression vary as well which is something so that that's another thing that I I, I put in the I, I I put it like halfway between right and wrong was the the aggression that Harry showed in this movie is like like you know I know it's it is it's a you know it's a cheesy eighty family movie like I, like I, I'm sorry that we're but we're here to tear this apart is why we why we did this we part. are but but he was he was more aggressive against things threatening people and animals he cared about yeah he struck me as like. Uh, what's that? There's a really, he's, he struck me like Coco the gorilla, right? Where Coco the gorilla would probably beat the shit out of somebody they didn't know if they started attacking somebody they did. But what I didn't understand is this is a Sasquatch that's been living in the forest with probably no sense of community. I know that there's a, a little and a little Sasquatch and a female Sasquatch at the end, but yeah, which were those there the whole time? Like they just <sighs> appeared. And then I was like, wait a second. Yeah, like, what's Harry doing watching TV? Is he just abandoning his family? (laughs) He was like, fuck yeah, fish burgers, no responsibilities. 
<laughs> Look, I get it, baby. He was just tired of dealing with a one-year-old. <laughs> Being yeah, quarantined with one. I get it. I really get it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I guess Harry's kind of a deadbeat as far as the Bigfoot world goes. But I, I Look, so I honestly think that his how how nice he is. I get that it fits the plot of the movie. It feels very unrealistic. Yeah, I'll say that as well. Uh, they also nailed the smell. One thing that everybody says about Bigfoot is that it smells horrible. So anybody who's had an encounter, the smell is something that they report first. Interesting. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, though, because it's something that never bathes. And if it is a link in the human chain, it's got to have BO and those types of things. Yeah. And I think, I, like, I don't know where the smell comes from. So originally I thought because, you know, predators do have a stink about them from, like, the things they've killed. So, like, the breath of a predator smells horrible. So part of me wondered if that was originally the thought process behind it. But in this movie, he's a vegetarian, pescatarian. So... That doesn't exactly track, but I guess, you know, he's not brushing his teeth, so. Yeah. And he's got, like, matted fur. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I thought was kind of interesting was his his hair was awfully light for everything we found. Um, He's very manicured for being in the forest by himself, too. Yeah, but that's just movie magic. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, it was light. I I do think that it would probably be darker for blending in. Mm -hmm. And all the, all the reports and sightings have said that his that a bigfoot's hair is dark brown or dark reddish brown and his just wasn't his was almost orange right exactly like a like a hybrid between an orangutan and a a bigfoot or something like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) that reminds me i found a i have a line in my notes which is when his wife asks him is it a gorilla and then he turns her and says i don't think they get that big around here honey <laughs> it's it like fuck. Oh, the other thing was okay. So, so at one point after George runs the thing over, he checks its pulse. Yeah, and he says it is cold as a popsicle. Which that was that was awfully quick. Y- yeah, I just I but that but that tells me that they're portraying this thing as having a low natural body temperature and then having a low pulse or a hard to detect pulse. Interesting. So I don't know if that's a thing with larger animals. Like, is is that a... Because actually that kind of... So, okay, anecdotally, right? I know very little about animals, but anecdotally, if a pulse is higher on a smaller animal like a dog, which it is, does that mean that the bigger you get, the slower your pulse is? Uh, I would think so because your, your heart's necessarily smaller, so it's got to beat more to circulate the blood more versus a bigger heart would be able to have more power behind it and circulate blood through more of the body with each boom. Cause isn't uh, an elephant's pulse like 16 beats per minute or something like that? Not sure about that, but I did, I did Google it while you were talking and yes. So smaller animals do have a, a, a faster pulse. So that would kind of make sense that he can't detect the creature's pulse. Also he's a gun salesman. So I don't think he knows where to check. Touche. <laughs> 30 beats per minute for an elephant, by the way. Oh, all right. That's, damn. Speaking of when they when they, they hit him, too, the other thing that I totally forgot about is they fucking hit him twice, and then just the whole contraption of them getting him on the hood of the car and, and driving back to Seattle. There, there's so much of this that just would not fly in modern-day Seattle. And, like, it's, it's hard to imagine Seattle as a town where you could just drive in with a dead animal on your hood. I don't know, man. Seattle freeze. People are very politically correct. I don't think they would want to offend you. 
offend you by calling out that you have a man-shaped like like a man-shaped body on the top of your car they had a tarp over it you don't you don't know what's under that it could be a deer you know people aren't looking people aren't seeing what's under it they just see uh somebody coming off the 90 with uh something under a tarp yeah they probably went hunting they probably brought a deer back i don't know who am i to judge them that's fair that's fair so some other things they got right the protector of the forest that is so i mean that's based in native american legend right a lot Mm -hmm. of those legends talk about how bigfoot is he's the protector of nature and i think that they they got that really right you know with him burying all the 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 hunting trophies and and things like that and i thought that that was you know a good way to portray it and then they also the the one thing i i wasn't quite sure on is the emotional intelligence level of the creature because based on the accounts it it really is is, it varies widely how intelligent bigfoot is but Mm -hmm. and i mean you know (laughs) most of the evidence is not very good so you know it's they, they they probably picked and choose what they went with, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. Oh, other thing they got right, Seattle traffic. They fucking nailed it. I don't know, man. I think that is vastly overestimated just because, again, 1987, the population was so much smaller. Yeah, that's a, I guess that's a good question. Was traffic as bad as Seattle in 1987? Probably, well, not as bad, but, you know, how bad really was it? Also, you know, when you're driving a big foot through town in rush hour, yeah, I got to assume there's going to be some traffic. Hey, but you got Bigfoot being able to shout like a police siren. So, um, Also, Seattle had a population of about 2 million people in 1987. Right now, it has about three and a half. That doesn't take into account all the um, suburbs that have blown up in population as well. So, yeah, like Redmond and Bellevue. Yeah, so almost a 2x growth over the last, oh God, 30 years. It's been 30, 33 years since uh, 1987. This yeah. movie is 33 years old. God damn. It holds up well for being 33 years old. Lots of practical effects. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reminds me a lot of The Thing in terms of... Oh, yeah, it totally does. They went, with, they went with a lot of practical that wouldn't look horrible. Yep, definitely. Uh, other notes I had, just the, the, the gun fever and how fast... <laughs> How fast everybody is getting armed and like the John Rambo looking motherfucker that gets arrested. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that one cracked me up. I, I usually get again, I was thinking modern day Seattle, there's no there's no goddamn way. Uh maybe maybe out in like Marysville or the suburbs. Uh you would see that, but definitely not downtown Seattle. And then the last thing is I thought when Bigfoot spoke, it was it was dumb. It was really dumb. And I thought the family looked dumb too. Yeah, that was I- incredibly unnecessary. Also I gotta say, he's got really small nipples. You know, I hadn't I hadn't looked at Bigfoot's nipples. I probably should have. There was like one scene where they were very clear, and I thought, those are really small nipples for a creature that big. <laughs> and if Ben Stiller was in this movie, he might have tried to milk him. It's, I mean, hey, it's a good point. They are mammals. Uh, you know, it's possible. His laugh. Yeah, his laugh was hilarious. I'll say that. I mean, a lot of the scenes of him were hilarious, like where he thinks people are being cooked in the hot tub. I have that damn turkey. That that was dynamite. That was one of the best scenes in the movie. But yeah, and then, so so speaking of the family, I think that's the last thing they got wrong, is Bigfoot is allegedly a solitary creature. It is not thought that they hang out in high numbers. Otherwise, we would be more likely to find them. So the idea of him having a family, while... While pleasing, probably probably not. But if he's if he's alive, he has to have somebody to reproduce with, right? Like Yeah, but the idea of them sticking as a family. Yeah, sticking as a family or being in the same 
region because when it's a predator that's that big and that solitary i think based purely on the bigfoot evidence unrealistic if we went with another analog like gorillas maybe like i guess yeah you could think that there might be a troop Mm -hmm. just based purely on the stuff that people have talked about about bigfoot it's probably alone yeah that makes sense i thought its strength was pretty well uh articulated like when it goes in and the uh like the hallway support arch he just straight pushes up like a supporting structure into the ceiling. Yeah. That was, that was ridiculous, but yeah, a creature that big. Like I'm trying to think like, okay, so that's the thing. They got the size, right? Like almost exactly. Is that just basically like Shaquille O'Neal? Like if there was somebody that you stack next to Harry to be like, like the same, like would Shaq be bigger than him? You see the height difference between him and George, John Lithgow. I also thought one thing, sorry, that I, I really thought was wild is, at one point, he's, like, pushing up the floor in the kitchen, and he's in the basement, but then you, like, see how far down the basement is based on the stairs, and I, that's one of those other things where I'm like, I don't think that's how that works. Yeah, it was, there was, there's a lot of, like, weird little continuity and consistencies and things. But 80s movie, I think we're, we're getting a little too in the weeds there. Yeah, but true. And closing thoughts, how, what, what do you feel? What would you, what would you rate it? Is this, is this a movie truth or bullshit, John? Oh, I mean, there's a reason that I, I keep bringing it up. I think for an 80s movie, for a family movie, it's a fun watch. Um, it's an enjoyable movie. I mean, probably like a four out of five. I'm going to look up the Rotten Tomatoes on it right now. Oh, man, dude, to the to the number, though, that is also my rating is a four out of five. It is it is fun. It's heartwarming as hell. And like, I don't know, it got me in the feels. It really did. Yeah. Harry and the Hendersons. Goddamn, Birds of Prey has a 78. That's a lot higher than I thought it would be. Dude, Birds of Prey was pretty good. Uh, okay. I, I, Damn. I, I enjoyed that movie. If uh, if anybody wants to watch, I think it's probably coming to VOD right now because of the virus. It's uh, yeah. it's it's R-rated, which I did not expect. And uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty fun. I'm excited for Outward. Yeah, me too. Onward. I'm excited to watch Onward. that this weekend as well. Uh, or next weekend. Yeah, next weekend, Disney Plus on April 3rd, I believe, so next Friday. Harry and the Hendersons has a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I find that that's true of a lot of 80s movies that I love, such as yeah. Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York. Yeah, I tend to agree just because people don't, I would assume a younger generation are the ones that are rating those on Rotten Tomatoes. And Well, so they, they go back and they index old reviews. For stuff oh, do from, they? Yeah, okay. for, yeah, for stuff from the 80s, for the critic score, they will index old reviews, I believe. And then there's huh. the audience score. So Interesting. It, it probably, and I mean, watching the movie, you can definitely see why the critics would rate it shitty. The The first 30 yeah. minutes alone are enough to color you badly. And so if you're if you're a critic, you watch the first 30 minutes, you're already getting ready to slam it no matter what. And there's there's a ton of a ton of plot holes and inconsistencies, but it's just fun. Like as far from an it, enjoyment standpoint, it's a four out of five. It, it reminds me a lot of Venom. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly like Venom. Another fantastic movie that has a lot of issues. It was a fun watch and Tom Hardy was great and very good I could go and on about it, but I love Venom. But yeah, it was from a critic perspective, a terrible movie. But we loved it, so yeah, plus we got a decent Eminem song out of it. So, you know, really at the end of the day, what more do you want? Really excited for the sequel, so. Yeah, yeah, with Woody Harrelson. Oh, that's going to be mm-hmm. good. 
what 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 are we what are we what are we watching next for one of these? I mean, also, if you're listening and you really hated this episode and you're like, fuck you, get back to the cryptids, like leave us a comment, let us know. Yeah, yeah, legitimately let us know. <laughs> yeah, we because I mean we might still do it again, because fuck it, it this was pretty fun for me, but uh we'll we'll do it less if you don't like it. Yeah, at the end of the day, we're just trying to make a fun thing. Yeah. Totally. If it is fun and you've really enjoyed it, give us some suggestions. Cause I don't know about you, Ashton, but uh either Guns of the Chupacabra or the Chupacabra versus the Alamo. Yeah, Guns of Guns of El Chupacabra is pretty high on my list after looking that one up. I can tell you one thing I'm not going to watch again is uh, The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot because th- that movie toes the line where it's like t- too close to being good to be bad good. Well, it's got Sam Elliott. Yeah, I like. know. And like, how do you fuck that up? And and uh, what's his fuck from Office Space? The main the, like main, the main character? Uh, J- J- Ron, Ron Livingston. Yeah. Ron, oh. Ron Livingston is in this too. Wow. Yeah, it was that. um so for for a movie with such a great title, it was very boring. I hated the way they did Bigfoot. I hate. I mean, I, it was just it was bad. It was a bad movie. There was good parts to it, but it was bad. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's good to know. That was on my list, but maybe I won't watch it now. It has a high Rotten Tomato score. I'll tell you that. Uh, it's like hmm. it's it's got. I think it's in the seventies. <sighs> so that's that's it for this episode. Rob Lowe, we see that you're doing a game show. John sent me that today. Yeah. What the hell, man? What the hell? And you got time to do it's a game a, show. You got time to come on this fucking podcast. So, Ashton, have you seen what kind of game show it is, too? No. So, the contestants basically ride a thrill ride, uh, like the one at like the Puyallup Fair, where you sit in it, and then it rotates three sixty degrees, and then kicks you upside down, and flips you around, and yada yada yada, and then it comes to a stop, and then they ask a question, and the one of the questions was like, "Who is Steve Rogers a character of?" And the guy's like, "Captain America, lock it in." And they try and make it sound cool, but it's like, Jesus Christ. So we've got that. We've have the Hot Ones game show, like. They, uh, like, haven't we done this? Wasn't the 90s all about game shows? Okay. Do we have it, to have a game show for everything? I love game shows, and I wish that we could get some of the wackier game shows back, to be honest. Like, I miss Double Dare and Figure It Out and Legends of the Hidden Temple. And actually, like, if we could if we could move more towards Japanese-style game shows again, I'd be down. I feel like with American Ninja Warrior, we're, we're almost doing that, where it's like anything that's popular in Japan, we're just going to mass produce here. Yeah, American Ninja Warrior is too serious. Give me like a Takeshi's Castle where they got a, you know, like where they're running up a giant pinball machine that's been greased down with oil. That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. I need to go watch YouTube videos of that. Uh, if you've ever seen, there's a show called MXC, which is uh, an American dub of Takeshi's Castle, but made into a comedy show. I think it was on Adult Swim, maybe. It's is very good. <laughs> Speaking of Adult Swim, did you see that uh, Justin Roiland and whatever the other guy's name is, the guys behind Rick and Morty are making a new show for Hulu? I don't think Dan Harmon's on that project. But yes, oh, it's just Justin Roiland. It's just Justin Roiland. And I watched the trailer and I was like, huh. This really does feel like Rick and Morty light. Not gonna lie. Yeah, that was my thought is it's like, oh, they basically just reskinned the characters from the looks of it. And like the voices are similar too. yeah, like that. And that's why I was like, this just kind of feels like more of the same. And I'm kind of not into it. Like, just give me Rick and Morty and I'll be happy. Fucking pump out the rest of that fourth season because, you know, that's how creativity works is you just sit down and pump that shit out. Yep. Clearly. Hey, if The Office did it for 22 episodes a season, yeah, they can do it. I mean, I've, I've, I've been sitting on this second draft of my book here for coming on four months, so. Dude, and you've been in quarantine. Like, what What a better time to fix it. Yeah, I know. I spent my morning doing a sketch of my new D&D character instead. Dude, so. and your book, it has so many plot holes and inconsistencies, and 
Ah, oh, man. I'm I just know. kidding. Your book's actually pretty great. <laughs> yep. That's it. Uh, next guest is going to be Benjamin Radford. He is a chupacabra expert. We are going to be recording that on April 5th, which means that I will probably get it out. About, that's a Sunday, so it's not going to be out by that Tuesday. It'll be out a week after that. I don't know. John, you and I will tackle some other weird myth soon and talk about it after this and figure it out. Uh, if you got suggestions, keep them coming. Keep sending us stuff. It helps us get through quarantine. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Yeah, watch Harry and the Hendersons. Stay quarantined. Please don't go outside if you don't have to. Stay the fuck indoors. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of Cryptus Decrypted. I hope you like the new format. Uh, I hope I've come up with an impressive title for this type of episode. As I'm recording this, it's the night before we're putting it out, and I really haven't done that yet. Cryptids at the movies, something something dumb, I'm sure. But anyways, if you enjoyed this, let us know. We're going to be releasing another episode in about a week. I interviewed Benjamin Radford on Sunday. It's now Monday where I am. It was fantastic, really entertaining. We talk about a whole variety of myths and then focus a little deeper on his work on the Chupacabra. He's a professional... Uh, paranormal and cryptid science investigator. Absolutely one of the coolest people I've talked to, so don't miss that. It's going to come out next week. And because we love all of our fans and we don't want you to get sick, wash your hands, stay indoors, listen to more podcasts, I don't know, play some video games. Animal Crossing is pretty great. I know everybody's saying that, but it is. It's pretty great. And uh, we'll see you in a week.